Dialogue Minnesota, conversations about the issues that matter to you. I'm Jim Dubois. The COVID-19 pandemic is shrouded in a sense of loss for all of us. Tragically, some have lost family members and friends to the disease. Others have lost livelihoods. And for all of us, there's the sense of loss of many day-to-day activities and interests that we previously took for granted. For fans and professional and amateur athletes alike, the absence of competitive sports and the ability to work out with teammates and in fitness facilities has exacted both an emotional and physical toll. This week on Dialogue Minnesota, a University of Minnesota faculty expert on the sociology of sports joins us to discuss why sports and physical activity is such an important part of our culture and what the complete shutdown of sports does to our sense of community and self. Douglas Hartman is chair and professor in the sociology department at the University of Minnesota. Professor Hartman, welcome back to Dialogue Minnesota. Always a pleasure. Under normal circumstances, why are sports such a big part of not just American culture, but to the majority of cultures all over the world? Wow, we'll start there. That's a big question. Sports does a lot of things for us, gives us a lot of things. Opportunities for fitness and recreation. Sports provides entertainment, diversion from the regularities of uh, everyday life, as well as the controversies and conflicts that are often surrounding us. Sports also is a tremendous uh, site where we do social events together. We hang out with each other, uh, watch our kids, watch our heroes, find ways to socialize. It's a gathering space in that sense that isn't just for people who like the sports themselves, but who like being with others and hanging out with those who like sports. So it gives us all of these different things and way more than that. And so those are, in a certain sense, some of the basic things that we are lacking right now um, in a world that, because of the COVID-19 epidemic or pandemic, uh, has taken those activities away from us. This is certainly an unprecedented time in American history. We can look back, though, and see some times when major events were canceled, for example, the Olympics during World War II. Uh, But even after the assassination of John F. Kennedy in 1963, there was a big debate as to whether or not the NFL should play the Sunday following the assassination. And uh, the NFL did play. Uh, But this time, the show does not go on. What does this really mean at this point in history? Do we have any sort of comparison that we can make? We're missing not only professional sports, we're missing collegiate sports, we're missing, if we observe the social distancing rules, uh, a pickup softball game uh, on the street that our kids might play. Just how unusual is the situation we're in right now? I'll use the word everybody's using right now, which is unprecedented. There really is uh, nothing like it, no historical equivalent. I think you're probably on the right track to think about the cancellation of the Olympics uh, during World War context. Um, But even the Olympics was very reluctant to do that. And even when the Olympics have suffered tremendous casualties like the terrorist attacks in 1972 or the boycotts, they have insisted that the games must go on, sometimes to their detriment um, long term. Um, But we don't really have things close. 9-11 is one that other people mention. Uh, where games stopped for a short period, um, which at that time seemed like an eternity for many sports fans, for many journalists. 
Um, those few days were uh, amazing uh, moment to reflect on the power of sports, but I don't think anybody imagined much less has gone through anything like we're doing right now. I was just thinking of this when you uh, called me to, to talk about this topic. Um, sometimes when I teach my undergraduate students about sports, I, we do a thought experiment where I ask them to imagine a world without sports. The idea is often to try to not just imagine how that world would, would be different, but to do exactly what you started with is to kind of identify all the things that we get from sports that we do with sports. Uh, I dare say, even when we've done that thought experiment, um, I don't think I've ever had students that imagined um, this radical of a break um, of the sport of sports world and, and radical both in terms of the amount of time as well as the global scope of the complete um, shutdown of the sporting uh, arena all over the world. Many Americans really understood the seriousness of the pandemic when the NBA canceled the remainder of its season. And I recall that uh, pretty vividly because I remembered going to bed on that Wednesday night back in March and hearing that the NBA had canceled the season, then going to the gym the next morning and just seeing the entire uh, atmosphere of the gym had changed when people were taking in what it meant to have a major professional sports franchise cancel its entire season. So that was kind of a moment of awakening for a lot of Americans. Now it seems that many of us are looking to see what the sport franchises are anticipating for their upcoming seasons as a way to gauge of how long it might be before we are able to go out to a large entertainment gathering of any sort, be it a professional or a collegiate sports or entertainment, a concert, for example. How did the sports world become a barometer, so to speak, for the pandemic? Oh, that's a great question, though. There's a couple things in there I'd love to touch on. To cut to the chase of it about the sports world as a gauge of our current situation, I, I actually found it uh, quite provocative and compelling. Um, Jim Suhan's Star Tribune column, it was a day or two ago, where he talked about the sports world as canaries in the coal mine. It sounded to me like he was, or he was referring to how you watch the news. There's many different versions of the stories that we're seeing, how bad the crisis is, the radical steps we need to take, um, tremendous disagreement by people depending upon the countries they're in, the states they live in, the political persuasions. Uh, but he made the point that nothing was as compelling to him for understanding the severity of the, and the enormity of the problem than people in the sports world, ranging from athletes to owners to commentators. And I think his point uh, was a, a really good one that these are folks who desperately want to play their games, who desperately depend upon the businesses that surround them, but who just love sports and are single-minded about that. That's not political for them. Um, it's not like a scientific debate. Uh, and when those folks who are as committed to their pursuits, these are life pursuits, single-minded, all out, entirely passionate, when even they are saying, not only do we need to pull the plug right now, but they're seriously questioning whether we're going to have sports next summer, next fall, whether we're going to have an NFL season or not. That, I think he was suggesting, and I agree, gives us a sense of the not only the enormity of the situation, but the unbelievable uncertainty of it and that we really don't know what's next. And so they really, the sports world here in not playing 
and not even being able to envision when they would play become a barometer for all of us um, that signal and remind all of us of what we are going through now. If I could, could I return to the start of your question too? Uh, I wanted to go back to that Wednesday night um, that you referred to when the NBA announced canceling its entire season. Uh, first of all, I guess I would say, I, I think this is something um, I've already put a few feelers out to some of my colleagues about trying to research and understand the powerful and central role that I think the sports world played in really alerting all of us to the enormity of the situation and what was, what was going to happen. And not just kind of conceptually, but really being an engine and a driver of forcing everyone um, to take seriously the pandemic that was just then beginning to hit. Um, I had a similar personal experience. We were scheduled to go down to Florida the next day to watch my daughter's college softball team uh, in her final senior season, play their final set of spring training games. Uh, we were kind of debating, well, should we get on the plane Thursday or not? We weren't sure. Um, my wife went out that evening to shop for all the things we needed for the trip. Um, I stayed at home, tried to fish up a little work before we left. But as usual, I had the TV on, flipping between news and sports as I am wont to do. And it was amazing within an hour how the tone of the reporting, the tone of all the, of all the stations, and then my own feelings uh, just began to kind of take a complete turn um, when you saw cutting away from a live game and NBA referees running off a court, players not knowing how to react, commentators in the studio trying to make sense of this. And then that makes it in to CNN and Fox and NBC, all the different news outlets and how rapidly awareness and understanding started to shift. Uh, and I think that was another moment where sport uh, in this case was not only kind of a barometer, but a driver of helping all of us understand the tremendous danger and risk that was coming. How do you think athletes will be affected with these cancellations? Will this break from games and events potentially ruin an athlete's career? Will some athletes miss their shot at the Olympics, for example, that they were supposed to uh, have happen this summer? Absolutely. Sociologists, you know, we're always attentive to inequalities and differences in society. Um, and our, one of our starting presuppositions is that when bad things happen, they don't equally impact everybody. Uh, they hit people in really different ways. There's no doubt that there will be Olympic athletes who this is the year, the height of their training, and they won't get to compete. We're going to lose a whole uh, number, you know, senior years, whether it's in college or in high school, uh, for baseball, softball, tennis. Those are gone. Those probably will never come back. Those are memories that won't happen, experiences that won't be accrued. Um, there's just no doubt of that. I, I think it's really going to be open questions. I mean, when you think about like professional athletes in their careers, uh, how this will impact them. For some, maybe taking a year off is the perfect thing. You, you need a surgery. You need to get better. And it couldn't have come at a better time. For others, it was as a peak was hitting, um, as a moment was just about to happen, as the playoff run was about to about to unfold and and that we will never we'll never know or see the real outcomes of that so that's that's kind of a big picture what i think is going to be really um you know it's a laboratory social scientists like all scientists 
do a lot of good work in terrible conditions and when bad things happen. But seeing how this impacts elite level athletes, um, athletes at many different levels, actually, um, in terms of fitness, in terms of training, in terms of their psychology, some may struggle to ever come back from this. Others may come back stronger, like I thought, like I said. Um, and I think it's also important to think here about not only the professional elite athletes among us, but all of us who have needs for fitness and recreation. And, you know, when, when it's difficult for us to, you know, there's no gym to go to. Our fitness routines are completely messed up. We're working from home and maybe more or less healthy than ever before in terms of our, our dietary habits, our nutrition. Uh, but struggling to stay regular in our lives um, and take care of our bodies. And so I think all of that um, are things that are lost. So one other thing I'd really point out that um, in terms of what this reminds me of, because it's sometimes easy to forget. As a scholar, you study this stuff in a kind of abstract way. I'm, I'm in my head a lot. Um, and I think one other thing that the athletics – um, cancellations during the pandemic remind us of, and it is this is probably the most basic and obvious thing, how physical sports are, how much they require us to use our bodies and bang into each other and interact with each other and shake hands or bump butts or whatever it would be. Um, <laughs> that's human, but we forget about our bodies a lot. And, and this just really signals, I think, uh, and reminds us of how we are physical beings and that the most physical practices uh, that make us who we are, are an extremely um, difficult thing to engage in right now. Um, and it's a, it's a terrible way to have to be reminded of one of the most basic facts of human existence. We're talking with Douglas Hartman, professor of sociology and the chair of that department at the University of Minnesota. Professor Hartman is an expert on the sociology of sports, and we're discussing the impact that the shutdown of sports is having on our sense of community and self. Well, Professor Hartman, this has hit you personally with your daughter playing collegiate softball and having her senior year and her softball season interrupted by this. How has that impacted her? How is she dealing with the fact that she won't be there for the senior day game, for example? Yeah, uh, I almost wish she hadn't asked me that. I could get emotional pretty quick. I, I remember... It was just within about a 36 to 48 hour period. Her team was about ready to go to the airport. And uh, I guess the MIAC, the conference, canceled the trip. They got off the bus. Then they were going to try to have a senior game the next day here in town against a local, another local university. I think within an hour before that game, we were getting ready to go to that. Uh, we had our chairs out and everybody was going to social distance. So at least there was a senior game as they were getting ready to go to the bus, that got canceled. They still didn't know whether the season was off. They were hoping they'd get to play a little bit later. And she came home that afternoon and checked her phone. And there was a text from her coach. It said, and it was to the whole team. And it said to them, cherish every opportunity you have to play this game. You'll never know when it's your last. Wow. And it was a tribute to the seniors. They got together, I think, for one half hour, I don't know, burrito eating session. It sounded more like a funeral than a celebration. And that's the last she's seen of her teammates. Wow. Well, you brought up, Professor Hartman, another point. We think often of the 
lost professional games, the lost collegiate games, the loss of the Olympics, adding more to the list now, uh, the loss of Wimbledon, professional tennis, um, the loss of Grandma's Marathon here for amateur and uh, professional athletes alike. What does it do to our... We talked about the collective psyche, the sense of community that's lost when sports go away. But, you know, you alluded to the point now that we can't go to a gym anymore as individuals. Uh, people who had their favorite Pilates session three times a week can't do that unless they can do it at home. And a lot of us lack certainly the equipment that a, a gym has. What does that do to us, uh, not only in the short term, but the long term? I mean, for a lot of people, this is not only a passion, but they enjoy the endorphin rush. Uh, and, and this is gone now. And especially if, if the quarantine gets more severe, where, such as in Italy, when people were not even allowed to go out to exercise, uh, in, the, in the most extreme case uh, of, of locking people in. What does that do to us long term, individually and collectively? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a, it is a kind of an open question. I think there's both, and you alluded to it, both kind of physical and physiological dimensions and so, social dimensions and mental health dimensions. I think a lot of us are going to have to kind of reinvent our little, our habits, our routines, find and, and, and struggle to find ways to, to be fit, but also to get socially connected. Um, sports kind of allowed a lot of, to me, it allows a lot of social connections that it was easy to take for granted, you know, seeing other parents at the fields or friends at the gym. We think we're going just for our own sanity and, and physical health, but there's a lot of other kind of unexpected interactions that happen there that we'll be missing. I mean, even right now, you know, people, I think, are struggling even to know how to walk around the lake without bumping into each other, um, maintaining proper distance, saying hello, but not getting too close. Those are all really immediate things that we're struggling with but i think you're right to be thinking about longer term implications as it's not just a couple of weeks but maybe a lot longer that we have to grapple with um, our own you know our own space our own habits how we exercise work out maintain our sanity how our kids do that little kids in particular i see them parents running helping them try to run around the neighborhoods and i think we've gotten so used to with our children especially more like middle school and high school Put them in activities, activities that are often sports or sports-like, and we're having to figure out as parents how to do that all over again ourselves. I don't have a great answer on that. I will say I've been interested kind of communicating with colleagues around the world, different ways that different countries are kind of allowing or encouraging or policing outdoor activities, recreational actions, you know, like even here locally, you know, are parks closed or open? Are the tennis courts being allowed or is that something that's not we're not supposed to do? Definitely basketball seems not quite right, but where the lines are. I read a thing um, from New Zealand, a colleague in New Zealand, um, how you know tremendous outdoor spaces, lots of opportunities for hiking, but in New Zealand, a lot of restrictions because it's seen as inappropriate to be out using gasoline, forcing park rangers to have to work. So really different cultural standards about what kinds of activity and exercise are allowed. I have a, a friend in France who, France, uh, Paris in particular, has really strict restrictions on being outside your house for only, I think, with, you have to stay within a kilometer and less than an hour a day. And it's, you have to document that or you get ticketed. I had a friend who 
violated that and, and got a ticket from the French police. Um, really different than the U.S. where we have, you know, we're struggling with how to think about fitness and recreation, but different laws, different norms, different cultural standards and expectations. And then, as you alluded to, and each one of us has have to figure out where we're at as individuals with actually in very often not a lot of guidance except what we can't do. Again, getting back to the loss of the sense of community, if we're a fan of, say, professional sports, there tends to be a fairly large geographic component to that. Uh, You tend to um, have an allegiance to the team that is in your particular geographical area, although not always. We, We have, you know, we have favorite teams that might be somewhere across the country. Likewise, with collegiate sports, it's often our alma mater. That's our our team that we root for. Let's talk about the loss of the sense of international community with the Olympics not happening this year. Obviously, the Olympics go back to ancient Greece, and we have seen the Olympics, as we mentioned earlier, being canceled before during times of war. But how important are the Olympics today to still create a, a sense of world community and, and why are they still relevant, even though uh, we're in a time where there's a lot of uh, conflict throughout the world? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's just a good general question about the Olympics. And my initial response on that is about the Olympics being one of the few truly global institutions and activities that we have. The United Nations doesn't have anything like the Olympics in terms of its ability to bring people from all different parts of the world, all different religions and cultures and and, um, languages together in a single space and in a single focused format. I mean, the the only really good comparisons are other sporting events, like the World World Cup of Soccer or football. Um, But it's one of the things, as global of a world as we live in, in terms of all the interactions we have, all the ways we rely on each other across countries and the ways our institutions, economic and social, are connected. We don't have a lot of activities that celebrate that and where we come together to really recognize that in a kind of ritualistic way. Um, That's what the Olympics does. There's a lot of reasons to be cynical and critical of the Olympic Games. The way that scholars uh, often talk about that is the struggle between the Olympics industry and the Olympic movement, where the industry is kind of the big businesses, the corporate side, the staging side, and that often can feel to overwhelm the movement side, those ideals about humanity and modernity and globalization that that bring us together that the Games was really founded on and continually aspires to. But I'd say as much as it often feels like the business side, the side that is exploitative and profit-driven and and has all kinds of other abuses with it, as much as that often feels like it can overtake the Olympic movement side, there's a part of that of what makes the Olympics special and so uh, followed those ideals and that reality about the world coming together. I know part of why the Olympic authorities waited so long to cancel was driven by the economic concerns and the business side and all of that. Uh, But I think there's still a part of the Olympic side that's the movement, that's those ideals, and really was trying to hold on to a moment for the world to come together. Um, It's why the Olympic movement has often championed itself as an alternative to war and an advocate for peace, and has long championed the idea that when the Olympics are hosted, all military conflicts should take a hiatus, should take a break. 
that it stands for peace and unity and harmony in a world where those are often so difficult to attain. The recognition of the pandemic that required the cancellation of this year's games, I think reminds us of the precarity of our global world, our global community, how difficult it actually is for us all to come together. And especially, um, well, I, maybe I, just the precarity of, of that, how difficult it is. I think we it's easy to take for granted those games every four years. Um, and this reminds us just of all the things that must come together to allow us to come together for that 12 to 14 days. For those of us who are fans of sports and uh, participate uh, in them ourselves, do fitness activities, obviously we're at a big loss right now. What can we do to get similar comforts or entertainment or distraction from current events other than sports right now? Boy, that's that's a good question. I struggle with that and see lots of people struggling with that, especially who get those people who get a lot of their distraction and relaxation and release from watching sports. What I kind of have been observing, I mean, partly it's myself, but also really following how people are kind of commenting about this is how difficult it is to watch like reruns of events or games. It reminds me of part of what is so compelling about sport and using sport as a form of entertainment and release. And so this is recreational. I mean, this is really elite sport, but it could also be high level high school sport or even youth sports. But when we're watching it is how much of our attention is driven by the drama and uncertainty of it all. And like not knowing for sure what's going to happen, watching something unfold in real time and how really unsatisfying it is to watch events, even when you don't know the outcome, that you know that it has already happened, uh, that it's not live and spontaneous and you're doing that with others. And I really don't feel like there's a good um, alternative to that right now. Um, I'm kind of paying a lot of attention to how people are tweeting about this or blogging about it or bemoaning it. And the other thing it reminds me of is kind of one of what I think was one of the ironies of, of modern life and relaxation. I think we often think about relaxing and release as kind of doing nothing, sitting back and taking a break and letting the world calm down and all the action and the noise uh, go away. But sports reminds us that in the modern world, an awful lot of what counts for our release and reaction I mean, a release and recreation and distraction isn't actually as calm as that. We actually rely on very exciting, uncertain events to give us that break from the everyday routines of the world. There's a certain irony there because sports is really then based on like excitement and drama and uncertainty. But so many of us, I think ironically, draw upon that excitement and uncertainty and we take kind of comfort and relaxation from that and we're used to doing that and we're missing that in these moments and in these weeks and we're not sure where it's going to come from and so that's why i think people are hoping for boring old baseball to be back again because maybe that'll kind of fill that gap you know i think about kind of the thought experiment of sports being off right now It's one of the kind of ironic things that I've been reflecting on just personally, or maybe it's as a scholar too, is the way that what sports does in terms of distracting us and giving us release is actually 
giving us new kinds of energy and excitement. And how do you get those in a world where uh, you can't just see them in the live events or down the park, down at the neighborhood park watching a Little League game? How do you think the pandemic will change the business or culture of sports? Well, you know, the business side isn't what I study. I can't help but imagine there's going to be pretty dramatic business implications in the sports world as in business all over. I, I would guess short term, a lot of kind of scaling back, recalculation of things. I don't know what it means for contracts. I don't, and contracts either for individual athletes or television media. Culturally, I'm maybe a little more comfortable. I, I, I will guess that at least in the short run, it'll give us a new appreciation um, when sports comes back into being of why we like it, what we love so much about it, and maybe an appreciation of the things that we were otherwise taking for granted about sports. And so when I, when I'm thinking of that, it could be the things like about recreation and release and, and um, you know, having some entertainment in the evening, but I would think it might alert us more to how much we rely on sports for creating our sense of community, for the opportunities to come together and interact with people, um, for finding moments of levity and fun and grace in our days. I think especially for recreational athletes, you kind of, it gets a little bit of a routine because you know you need to do it to stay in shape. Uh, And you might, you know, think it becomes almost so routine. It's almost like a job and something you have to do. And my guess is some of us are going to look forward to that and appreciate that at least for a little while uh, when those opportunities come back for us. But, but on the whole, I think like a lot of things uh, when it's taken away, you appreciate when it comes back, what it does for you. And in this particular case, I think it might help us appreciate some of the kind of things that were otherwise unconscious for us or that we take for granted um, that aren't just about winning and losing or just about how, how fast you can run or how much weights you can lift, um, but about all the kind of other social and psychological um, benefits that, that come through these otherwise fun and games activities that we put so much energy to. Douglas Hartman is a professor of sociology and the chair of that department at the University of Minnesota. Professor Hartman, thanks so much for joining us on Dialogue Minnesota. Thanks for having me. I wish it was under different conditions, but I also do appreciate taking the opportunity to use this time to think about things that I spent a lot of time researching and I think that mean a lot to a lot of us. And hopefully uh, this moment can help us appreciate those even more. Dialogue Minnesota, conversations about the issues that matter to you. While the COVID-19 crisis is dominating the news, there's still a presidential campaign underway as well as local, state, and national races. How are the candidates adjusting their strategies in an environment that prevents them from engaging in traditional campaign activities? Next week, a conversation with University of Minnesota Associate Professor of Political Science Catherine Pearson on the state of politics in the midst of a pandemic. Be sure to visit us at DialogueMinnesota.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. I'm Jim Dubois. That's all for this week. See you next time.